0: Um, But we're going to be finishing our series today on things Jesus never said. Things Jesus never said. As you've been with us the past few weeks, we've talked a a lot about things Jesus never said, and that seems perhaps to some of us an odd approach. Why would a church uh, that worships Jesus, that believes in Jesus, that follows Jesus, Want to know what Jesus didn't say? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One that we've talked about quite a bit is we can become very familiar with the things that Jesus did say sometimes if we follow Jesus for any length of time. And sometimes we get too close to it and we start to lose the impact of it. We start to lose how how powerful it truly is. And so seeing what he didn't say can amplify the things that he did say. Um, But also it gives us a chance to address some myths gives us a chance to address some things that oftentimes people believe that aren't actually things that Jesus said. I think today we're going to be in that category a little bit more, perhaps, than we've been through the rest of the series. Today we're going to talk about things Jesus never said about eternity, about eternity, about this time period that ultimately we're already in, right? We're already part of eternity. But when we think of eternity, we think of what happens when we die. What happens after we leave this earth, this body, after uh, we take our last breath and we stand before God for judgment, what happens in all of that after this is complete? So today we're going to look at, I believe, six things that Jesus never said about eternity. Things he never said about eternity, and I hope that this will be an encouragement to you. Uh, I think it's fun to talk about eternity. I think there's something in us that yearns for eternity. If you're a believer, if you've received Jesus as your Savior, there's a thing that he deposits in us that, that desires to be part of that that we look forward to that day. We look forward to the moment when we're, we're set free from sin, from sickness, from disease, from all that stuff that comes with earth, frustration, tragedy, pandemic, all the things of this broken world, man, when we get delivered from that, And we get to be with Jesus face to face. Man, there should be something in us that's excited about that. Now, for many of us, we're like, well, man, I got a whole lot of stuff I want to accomplish before that happens. I got a lot more that I want to see go on. I've got this bucket list. I've got these things that that need to happen first. And ultimately, man, when we're with Jesus, none of that other stuff is really going to matter. But as we'll see in today's message, he has given us time to accomplish some things before we take our last breath, and we'll see what some of that looks like. So let's talk today about things Jesus never said about eternity. Number one, Jesus never said, listen to everyone who claims that they've been to heaven. This is a a trendy thing in our generation. You may have seen movies or read books. Uh, For some reason, it's always a kid right? Uh, who, who, who had this near-death experience, who died on the operating table, and they went to heaven, and then they, God sent them back to tell us all about what heaven is like. And I hate to be the cynical one. I hate to be the skeptical one. Um, I'm an optimist by nature, and so I want to just believe everything that all these people say. Uh, but we know not everyone who has these stories has been telling the truth. In fact, about a decade ago, there was one of these stories. It was called uh, The Boy Who Came Back from Heaven. Uh, and his first, I forget his first name, but I know his last name was Malarkey, which should have been a red flag. It's uh, true story. Uh, and so uh, wrote a book, sold over a million copies. They did a TV movie about it. His family made millions of dollars off of this story, and eventually it came out. They made the whole thing up. Why? Because there's a market for it. Because sometimes we're suckers. Sometimes we buy stuff. And believe stuff because man, we want to believe it. Isn't this a sweet story? This boy went to heaven and we all want to know what heaven's like. And so he's gonna tell us what heaven's like. So we gotta know what happened. And and I'm not saying all these stories are fake. I don't know. Here's what I do know. Let's put our faith in the word of God. Let's put our trust here that nobody else's story, nobody else's vision, nobody else's proclamation is ever going to rise to the level of Scripture. That doesn't mean that God never speaks to anybody else. Doesn't mean that visions aren't real or dreams aren't real or prophecies aren't real. I believe in those things. But I also believe all those things come under the Word of God. Does that make sense? That that, that we can hear these stories and and pray them through and and perhaps there's some things we can learn and we can glean. But I'm not going to put my faith in somebody's story. I'm going to put my faith in the word of God. Okay, and if God needed me to know it about eternity, he would have made sure it was in his word for me. Um, So now I'm going to tell you a story that's going to seemingly contradict what I just said, and I'll bring it back together. Uh, Many of you have heard this story before, but some of you have not, and I think it's important, especially at this point in time. Um, When I was eight years old, my Uncle John died of bladder cancer, Uh, and John was raised just like my dad was, was raised Mormon, but unlike my dad, Uncle John chased after the Mormon faith. My dad says, hey, all we had was self-righteousness, and he never had that problem. So dad was very worldly and very caught up in sin, but, but John was the good Mormon. Uh, and so as he got bladder cancer and became terminal, and we knew that he wasn't going to make it, my parents uh, started spending a lot of time with him at his bedside. And trying to witness to him, trying to tell him about Jesus. But the family prevented my parents really saying anything because my grandfather, who died when I was 18 months old, he died of mouth cancer, oral cancer. Um, They led him to Jesus before he died, and he openly proclaimed salvation, openly received Christ. And so the family wasn't going to let that happen to John the way that it happened to Grandpa. Uh, So mom and dad couldn't tell him about Jesus. Uh, They had had guards stationed in the room constantly to make sure that those conversations didn't come up. So what my parents would do is they would just hold his hand or or lay hands on him and, and put a hand on his shoulder while they were in his room, and they would just pray under their breath where nobody could hear pray in the spirit, go before God and and intercede for his salvation, and he died. And we thought he died apart from Jesus. We had recently started attending a new church, and a lady in this new church went to the pastor and said, hey, pastor, I had this really weird dream that I don't know what to make of, but but I think it's I think it matters. I think there's something here. And so she shared the story of this dream. And in this dream, she begins to describe my family, whom she had never met. Uh, So much detail, in fact, she described uh, a great uncle, what would have been my great uncle, uh, with a wooden leg. Uncle Ralph uh, had lost a leg and, and had a wooden leg, which isn't really a thing anymore. We got better prosthetics now, but this was 1988, 1989, so this was a little ways back in time. I'm dating myself. Uh, and so she described this uncle with the wooden leg. She, did, she described my Uncle John's neighborhood in, in crazy detail, and then described his house. And she said, I, I was in this house, and there was all these kids gathered around. And she begins to describe my cousins. Uh, and she said, and, and they're in the center of the kids... was was a man, and he was sitting with Jesus. And, And I went in and asked, who is this man? And his name was John. And she said, all I really got out of this was for somehow John was with Jesus. Now, I'll tell you, I believe with all my heart that that dream was a message from God, a prophetic message through his spirit to give my family peace that John met Jesus before he died. I'm going to see my uncle again in eternity. I stand on that. I believe that. So do I believe that God speaks to us outside of his word? Absolutely. But I also believe that anything he says outside of his word is going to have to line up with what's in the word. And I also believe that what's in the word is always more important than what's outside the word. Do these things make sense? So I'm not saying that nobody's ever gone to heaven or nobody's ever come back with a story to tell. I don't don't know. Here's what I actually think. I think some of them are legit and some of them are not. Uh, And the ones that are legit, I don't think people were actually physically in heaven. I think God gave them a vision of heaven. And so a vision is a picture. This is what John experienced in the book of Revelation. John didn't actually go to heaven. John had visions of what the end times were like, but also what eternity was like. Pictures that God gave him to communicate things. And so you have to understand that those pictures are incomplete. Okay? God is communicating something to an individual, perhaps just for them, perhaps for their family, perhaps for another family, like that dream that he gave that lady. I remember her name was BJ. I couldn't even tell you her last name. But I know that she had this dream that was massively impactful for my family. So, I absolutely believe God speaks outside of the Word of God. Uh, But I don't think we need to put our trust and our faith in in every story that somebody comes back with, especially when we don't know that person. We don't know the fruit of their life. We don't know, man, what their relationship with God truly is like. Um, Because there's a lot of people out there who are just trying to capitalize on Christian desire, on this Christian market. And I don't want us to be suckers. Uh, So,. Man, I'm not telling you not to believe anything anybody ever said. I'm just saying, let's build our beliefs about eternity on this thing right here. What did Jesus say? What did his words say? Man, let's find out what that is, and let's build our faith for eternity there. Secondly, Jesus never said, we'll spend eternity in the clouds. I don't know where this, like, naked babies with wings and harps, like, picture of heaven came from, like, this... Man, it's so peaceful and calm, and it's always a harp. I don't know why it's always a harp, uh, but there's always somebody playing a harp. Uh, and, and the reality is, for a lot of us, that's not attractive. Like, the, man, you think about it. That music's going to drive me crazy, right? Like, uh, that's just not something that we, we desire. And I don't think most of us literally believe in that, But I I think sometimes we believe in this eternity that's kind of like very spiritual and not physical, that, hey, we're just these spirit beings, and we don't really know what that means or what that looks like, and and it's this metaphysical place that we can't wrap our heads around, and it doesn't really seem that enticing. Uh, In fact, I don't know about you, but I've heard many times people talk about how hell sounds like a lot more fun than heaven. Uh, Hell sounds like a party, right? Because of all these people who are going to be in hell. And obviously, we can reject that and we understand heaven is better than hell. But let me just tell you, heaven's better than you think it is. Man, heaven's better than you can comprehend. It's better than you can imagine. But there are some concrete things that we can understand about heaven. In fact, Revelation chapter 21 says this, uh, and I told you to turn to chapter 22. 22 is the last chapter of the Bible. 21 is the second to last chapter of the Bible, so you can flip back over. We'll be in both. Listen to what John says as he gets this picture. This is after what we consider the end times. This is after the battle of Armageddon, after the Antichrist, after all that stuff happens and Jesus wins. What happens after that? Verse 1 of chapter 21 says this, then I saw a new heaven. with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. I think Revelation 21.3 is one of the massively most underrated verses in scripture. Okay, if we would really get a vision, if we could really get a concept of Revelation 21.3, it would fire us up so much. It would excite us so much. This, to me, is the ultimate message of Scripture. This is the ultimate vision of God. This is his ultimate desire. What is God's heart? Man, we say God's heart is, is to love people. God's heart is to save people. God's heart is to restore people. All of those things are true. Why? Because God wants to be with his people. All of that stuff is a means to this end. God wants to be with you. Please begin to to contemplate on that, to feast on that, to understand what that means. In fact, I need your help today. This is so important. I need your help preaching this. I need you to tell the person next to you, God wants to be with you. Now tell your second second choice, God even wants to be with you. Come on. Thank you, Miss Teresa. Teresa believes it. God wants to be with Miss Teresa. Praise God. Who don't want to be with Miss Teresa? I mean, come on. Like, God's just like us, right? Uh, like, you can't be around Miss Teresa and not feel better about life. Uh, so, man, God has the same desire that we do. Verse 4, this is what Jesus is going to do. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. This is a great verse. In fact, I think we have a better concept of Revelation 21.4 than we do Revelation 21.3. Right? Like, I think this is more well-known, more understood. There's a day coming when Jesus wipes away every day. Praise God. There will be no more death. Hallelujah. When Thanksgiving, uh, we, Melody and, and Alexa had made some little placemats, uh, some little brown drawing paper, and it had spots for different things. And one of the things was, what are you thankful for? And so our family wrote down, you know, different things that we're thankful for. And Judah uh, wrote down how he is thankful for for clean water. This is something that our kids got a hold of this year. They they found out. um, I think Mel showed them a YouTube video, but about people who don't have clean water and how actually one of the consequences of that is many people go blind uh, because of the the bacteria in their water ends up taking their eyesight. Uh, and so Judah, uh, I don't know what's going on up here. Something's talking to us, but uh, we'll we'll ignore that. Um, Judah wrote down hey, I'm thankful for clean water that I can still have my eyesight. It's a pretty cool thing for an eight-year-old to be grateful for. Alexa, my six-year-old, made a list of things, including every member of our immediate family and all of her friends. And you know, she's uh, the, she's the girl, uh, so she's more more words in her, more things to say. Uh, and then at the end, she said, I'm grateful that no one in our family died. Six years old. Six years old. And her thing to be thankful for is that no one in her family died this year. And we're like, where did that come from? Are you worried about somebody dying? Like, what's going on? You know, like, of course, we we got all these antennae that go up when our six-year-old says she's grateful that nobody, did one of your friend's family die? you know, like, where's this coming from? Um, Some of us this year experienced some death in our family. Some of us this year celebrated a Thanksgiving where somebody wasn't there. Because the reality of this fallen, broken world is there is death. But a day is coming when Jesus will wipe away every tear. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. And all the old people said, amen, right? It won't hurt to get up in the morning. It won't hurt to lay down at night. It won't hurt to go to work. It won't hurt to sit. It won't hurt to stand. It won't hurt anymore. And obviously, there's more here than just physical pain. No more pain. Why? For the old order of things, the way we've always known them, has passed away sin is gone death is gone the consequences of sin and death no longer apply to us praise jesus verse 5 it says he who was seated on the throne this is jesus said behold i am making everything new old things have all passed away new things are on their way Everything is being made new. This is what's going to happen in eternity. Here's what you need to know. The new heaven isn't about God making any new thing. The new heaven is about God making everything new. Now, that may sound like the same thing, but it's not. Hear me out. Follow? The new heaven isn't about God making any new thing. The new heaven is about God making everything new. In other words, heaven isn't this place, eternity isn't this place, spending time with Jesus for eternity isn't this place with all this stuff you've never seen or experienced or that never existed before. What is it? It's a place with all the things that are good, that God originally designed, God originally created. He originally spoke into existence that were broken, that were corrupted, that were perverted, that were fallen because of sin, that are no longer broken, perverted, corrupted, and fallen anymore. He has made everything new and right again. Heaven is the restoration of what God originally designed. He is making everything new. Why does that matter? Because I think most of us think of heaven as this place somewhere in the clouds, somewhere in the sky, somewhere in this other realm, in this other place that that we can't comprehend, we can't fathom, we can't think of. And the reality is what happens for eternity is earth passes away. The old heaven passes away. Why does the old heaven pass away? Because the old heaven comes down to become and inhabit new earth. It says that heaven comes down and becomes new Jerusalem, the city where God dwells on earth itself and God makes everything new. So what's heaven like? Heaven is like earth without all the junk that we've done to destroy it. It's Heaven is like earth without sickness, without disease, without earthquakes, without pandemics, without tragedy, without murder, without stealing, without lying, without gossip, without all the stuff that we've done to corrupt it without pollution, right? Heaven is like earth. Without all of that, it's this place that God originally intended his people to have. What was it like in the beginning when Adam and Eve were created, they dwelt with God. And this amazing creation. And so what is heaven? Heaven is this place where, yes, right now there is a heaven where God dwells. There is a place where God dwells. There is this other place where if you die right now, the saints who have gone before us, they go to God to be in heaven. They're not on earth, right? I'm not saying that. But the ultimate vision of eternity is God's going to get to a place where Jesus wants, wins full and total victory, and he brings heaven to earth. You ever heard the phrase, that, man, this, this is like heaven on earth, right? You're at like this all-inclusive resort in Mexico, and it's like, oh, man, this must be what heaven's like. You might be closer to accuracy than you realize. Now it's what heaven's like without like the drunken people uh, and all the sin and debauchery that's going on at that all-inclusive resort uh, in the other rooms, not in your room, uh, but right. Uh, but but heaven is coming. To Earth. Now, I don't know exactly what that means or exactly what that looks like, but I do know this. It's going to be a lot more familiar to us than we think it is. Yes, there is a temporary phase where we go to heaven, where we go to where God is. There's this in-between phase if we're not here for the generation when Jesus returns, where, man, we're going to go there for a season before he brings us here with him to rule and reign. But God's (laughs) ultimate picture, God's ultimate desire is for us to be on earth, this new earth, this restored earth, this earth that works and functions the way he originally designed it to, and he wants to be with us. Ultimately, Jesus doesn't want to rescue us to come be with him in heaven. He wants to restore us and come be with us. That may seem incredibly insignificant, but let me illustrate why it's so massively important. When I was a youth pastor, one of the most effective things that we learned to do, in fact, they trained us in in Oklahoma where I did my internship in youth ministry to do this, is we would go eat lunch at student's campuses. Now, since COVID happened, like this doesn't exist anymore. Hopefully this world is restored, but you can't do this right now. Hopefully our youth leaders will be able to do this again one day. Uh, but in the pre-COVID world that I grew up in, uh, we were able to do this. We were able to go eat lunch with, with our students, with our middle school students, our high school students. Um, and what we would do most of the time is I'd bring in like four pizzas uh, and nothing gives you uh favor with teenagers like free pizza. Uh, and so we would bring in pizzas and eat lunch with the students, and, all of, and they're introducing us to all their friends because their friend wants to slice, uh, right? And, and you'd make relationships and, and build this connection, and, and it was effective, but I'll tell you why it was most effective. Because teenagers have this picture of church as this place where they want us to come to them. They want us to come get in their world. They want us to come be like them. But when we went to their school, we came and got in their world. We showed them that they were important enough to us that we would leave what's easy and comfortable for us and come be with them. You see the difference? It's one thing to say, hey, come be with me. You can be around me. I will tolerate you. I want you to come be in my place. It's something else to say, I'm coming to you. When Jesus met Zacchaeus, he said, come down from there. I'm coming to your house today. Now, for us, that sounds like this inconvenience, right? That sounds like, man, who do you think you are to invite yourself to our house? But to Zacchaeus, that was Jesus honoring him. It would have been totally different for Jesus to say, you can come and have dinner at my place, to say, I'm going to come to yours, I'm leaving what's easy for me, what's natural for me, what's comfortable for me, and I'm coming into your world, totally changed his life. Can you please, please, please go with me on this and get this picture? God wants to be with us. His goal isn't to bring us to where he is, his goal is to bring heaven to us, because he loves us he wants to be with us. You see, Christianity is not simply instructions on how we can get to God, which ultimately that's what most religions are. You do this, you do this, you do this. Here's the steps for you to hopefully maybe make it to heaven. If you're good enough, if you do enough good things, if you get rid of enough sin, if you worship enough, if you give enough, ultimately maybe you can make it to God. Christianity flips the script and says you don't have to come be with God. God's going to come be with with you. This is the ultimate message of the Bible. It's massive. It's significant. Now you can see we have some Christmas decorations up. Jenny did an awesome job getting this set up for us. Man, can you give it up for Jenny Land very quickly for me? Most of the time in Christianity, we think of Christmas as a secondary holiday to Easter. Easter. I've always thought this, believed it, was raised in this. In fact, I've probably taught it. This week, studying for this message, I started to believe maybe we have that backwards. Let me explain. What is the ultimate message of Christmas? Jesus came to us, God with us. That's Emmanuel, right? What's the ultimate message of Easter? He is risen. He died for us. He wants to save us, right? I believe that Easter, and don't get me wrong, I'm not watering down Easter or saying Easter's not significant. Easter had to happen. But Easter is the mechanism by which God makes Christmas permanent. Easter is the thing that had to happen so that God could be with us forever. But ultimately, the message of Christmas is the message of what God really wants you to know. Yes, he needs you to know that Jesus died for you. Yes, he needs you to know that Jesus is alive and he's risen. I'm not saying Chris, or that Easter doesn't matter. Easter matters. But Easter matters because it empowers Christmas to reign for eternity. God wants to be with you and I just don't think you guys are as excited about this as you need to be this is massive I'm talking about God I'm talking about the dude who created it all the dude who reigns on the throne he doesn't just want you to not have to go to hell he doesn't want you to just not have to pay the price for your sins which is so much more than I could ever deserve he actually wants to be with me oh my gosh, we underrate this so massively if we could get a glimpse of God's desire to be with his people, of what that truly means. He wants to be with you. Thirdly, Jesus never said that there will be spirits floating around in heaven. We've got this picture of it, this idea of it. We're not going to be angels. Hopefully, you know that. Uh, but, but we're actually going to have a physical body for eternity. I don't know what that body is going to be like, but I do believe it's going to be very similar to the one we have now, except so much better, so much greater. Jesus never said we'll be spirits floating around for eternity. The Bible speaks of salvation as past. You are already saved. Present, you are being saved. And future, you will be saved. Most of the time we talk about the past tense, man. When did you get saved? When did you receive salvation? And don't get me wrong, that's massively important. If you don't have an answer to that question, let's get you an answer to that question. You need to be saved. You need to receive salvation. But, but I think a lot of times we, under, we misunderstand the fact that we're also being saved and that we will be saved. So what does that mean? Well, we're already saved. In other words, your, your name's already written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you've received salvation, there's already a place reserved for you with Jesus in heaven right now. So there's this temporary place. We think of, man, Jesus went to to build me a mansion. I got a mansion just over the hilltop, right? Like Jesus went to build me this mansion. Well, the reality is whatever mansion, whatever place, whatever room that you stay in in heaven, that's a temporary place. Because your ultimate home is going to be back here. God's got something even better for you here. Uh, We don't know what that looks like, but we know that it's better. Um, So... We think of it as past, present, and future. Here's the revelation that I think I got this week. How is it past, present, and future? Well, past, your spirit is saved. In other words, when you receive salvation, God gives you a new spirit. 2 Corinthians 5.17, right? Like Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So God places a new spirit in you. Your old spirit dies, who was actually already dead. Now you're, you're resurrected with Jesus. You're given this spirit that's connected to the Holy Spirit awesome incredible amazing thing now you can begin to live for god now you can be empowered for him now you can receive his gifts and find purpose and fulfillment and all those things all that happens because your spirit is restored is saved upon salvation your soul which is your mind your will and your emotions is being saved how do i know that revelations twelve two tells us to renew our minds in other words when you got saved you didn't just get a whole bunch of new thoughts right When you received Jesus, you didn't just all of a sudden get new memories. You didn't forget all of the stuff. You didn't start getting, you still had the same temptations, right? You still had the same things that the enemy would use against you, the same discouragements, all those things. Why? Because your mind didn't get saved. Your soul didn't get saved. Your soul is being saved, being conformed to the image of Jesus is called sanctification to the point where man, when we take our last breath, we will be fully sanctified. Our soul will be fully saved, and we're going to have nothing but God thoughts, nothing but positive thoughts, nothing but the thoughts that God wants us to have in eternity. So our soul is being saved. Well, what about your body? Well, what I've always taught, what I've always believed, is hey, your body is is gonna die, right? Your body is just this shell. It's just this earth suit, uh, and it's gonna leave, and that's true. Second Corinthians tells us the body is it's like a tent. The, the author of 2nd Corinthians is the Apostle Paul. He was a tent maker, he built tents, and so he understood the temporary existence of a tent. You put a tent up, it's not a permanent thing. Right? I mean you put a tent up, and a storm comes, it starts blowing away. I mean it starts leaking, like it's it's not gonna last forever. Even the best tent it's only got it's got a shelf life. It's not going to last. That's what the Bible compares our body to. So you have a tent. But here's what I believe. I believe your body will be saved in eternity. It will be restored to its original pre-fall design. What does that look like? How old am I going to be? Right, like which version of me are people going to see in heaven? I don't know. I don't know. I I know people with all kinds of theories on this. Um, The Bible flat out doesn't say. This is something Jesus never said. Uh, So I'm not going to say it. Uh, What you're going to look like, like, am I going to be, like, muscular in heaven, right? Like, am I going to have, like, that body that I've always dreamed of? I don't know. Uh, Somehow people will recognize you. Uh, Whatever you look like in eternity, people will know that it's you. Uh, Because, again, the Apostle Paul says, now we we see dimly like through a glass, but then we're going to know fully. In eternity, we're going to have full understanding. So we're going to know who everybody is. Uh, we'll have the ability to, to relate. But you're going to have a body, and that body is going to be fully saved. It's going to be fully restored. It's not going to yearn, yearn for things that are sinful. It's not going to desire things that are unhealthy for it. Your body is going to be the way it's supposed to be designed. In fact, heaven is described as, as having a, a meal. A wedding supper for the lamb, it's designed as, described as having buildings, as having animals, as having water, as having clothing. All these things that the Bible tells us that heaven has require us to have a body. How can you have clothes with no body, right? What, what, what does it matter what your robe looks like if you're just a spirit? So we are going to have bodies in eternity. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and jump down to number four because I'm running out of time here. Jesus never said number four, everyone goes to heaven. We live in a generation where there's this idea called universalism that's becoming more and more popular. And I get why it's popular. Because it sounds good. Man, how how could a loving God send anybody to hell? Right? I don't don't believe in a God like that. I don't believe in a Jesus like that. He wouldn't let anybody suffer. and, And make no mistake, the Bible is clear. It is not God's will for anybody to go to hell. It is God's will that everyone receives salvation, that no one should perish. Just because it's God's will doesn't mean that's the way it's going to happen. Look at what Jesus says. Some of the last words from Jesus' mouth in Scripture. Revelation 21 says this. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. So when Jesus says, hey, you can trust what I'm about to say, you can really trust what he's about to say. You can always trust. Even when Jesus doesn't say you can trust what I'm about to say, you can trust what he's about to say. But when he goes out of his way to say, hey, you can trust this, man, take it to the bank. Okay? Verse 6, he said to me, it is done. How do we know this is Jesus? He says, I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. That's how Jesus is described at the beginning of Revelation. So we know this is Jesus speaking here at the end of Revelation. He says, to the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Same Jesus recorded by this same apostle. John, who talked about living water. He said, man, if you would have asked, or if you would have known, you would have asked, and I would have given you living water, water that causes you to never be thirsty again. So there's a place like that in heaven. There's a, there's a river of life, a spring with the water of life. Verse 7, he says, those who are victorious, everybody say, that's me. That's, me. that's, that's you. You're a believer in Jesus. Those who are victorious, why are we victorious? Because he's victorious and we're with him. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this. I will be their God and they will be my children. Awesome, beautiful thing. But, verse eight, another big but of the Bible. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. You can believe in a Jesus who brings universalism, who saves everybody, who's just loving and kind and would never let anybody go to hell. Just please don't believe that that Jesus is the Jesus of the Bible. That is a false Jesus. That is a man-created Jesus that's a Jesus that sounds good and tickles our ears, that the enemy uses to deceive us, the reality is there is a heaven. And it's amazing, and eternity is incredible with Jesus, but there is also a hell. What makes heaven? Ultimately, heaven is the place where God is and where God is fully submitted to. So when Jesus came to earth, earth wasn't heaven yet because Jesus wasn't fully submitted to. One day, this earth will be heaven because Jesus will rule and reign here, and everyone who's here will honor him, worship him, serve him wholeheartedly out of their own desire. That day hasn't come yet. What is hell? Hell is the place where God has no influence, no presence. Right now, even those who don't love God, those who are far from God, they have incredible benefits and blessings of being God's creation, of being created in his image. There are things here. The Bible says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. The sun shines on the just and the unjust alike. That There, there, there is what we call common grace where God gives these incredible blessings to all of us because we're his kids. Hell is the place where there's no more common grace. Hell is the place where there's no more blessing of being God's creation, where God has... No rule, no rain. It's not a place you want to go. I wish I could tell you today that everybody's going to be okay, but that's not the message of Scripture. The message of Scripture is you need Jesus. The message of Scripture is Jesus is the only sacrifice for your sin and for mine. So if you're far from Jesus today, if you haven't given your life from him today, please don't walk out of here and be like, man, that preacher said I'm going to hell. What that preacher is saying is don't go to hell. You don't have to. God doesn't want you to. His will is for you to receive Jesus. His will is for you to be part of his family. His will is to spend eternity with you. That's his heart. That's his desire. That's what he desires so much that he actually, Jesus actually died so that you could have access to that. So that he could have access to spend eternity with you. You got to choose him. Number five, lastly today, we'll end with this. Jesus never said we have forever to tell others about him. He never said everybody's going to make it, and he never said we have forever to get around to telling them. In fact, this is what Jesus said in John chapter 9, verse 4. Jesus says, As long as it is day, we must. Everybody say "must." must. We must do the works of him who sent me, of the Father. Night is coming when no one can work. In other words, a day is coming when we can't tell anybody about Jesus. A day is coming when it will be too late. A day is coming when we won't have that opportunity. Now, that day ultimately comes when, when Jesus returns and, man, he takes over. And that, that's the end. People have missed their chance. But that day also comes in hospitals all over the world, bedrooms all over the world, nursing homes all over the world, vehicles all over the world when people take their last breath that we can no longer tell them. So what do we do with this picture of eternity, Pastor Troy? What do we do with this idea that that heaven is coming to earth, that God wants to be with us? How does that affect the way that I live today? Well, it should affect the way that you live today because you want to take as many people with you as you can. Because you're going to tell them, you're going to pray for them, you're going to give to send missionaries to them. You're going to believe that God is going to reach them and you're willing to do whatever it takes to help. When we get a real picture of eternity, it should encourage us. It should give us peace. It should help us to recognize how good our God is that he wants to be with us. But it should also increase our urgency and our desire. That man, God doesn't just want to be with me. He wants to be with my loved ones who don't know him. He wants to be with my enemies. He wants to be with the most sinful, awful person that I know. Because I deserve hell just as much as that person does. I've broken God's law, I've violated him, but he spared me. He sent somebody to tell me about Jesus. He allowed me to hear the message. Maybe he could use me to tell somebody else. In fact, not just maybe, it's his design, it's his desire. Some of the last words Jesus spoke before he arose and went back to heaven to be with his father. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. I'm saying, oh, holy one. We're saying about the Holy Spirit today. Why does the Holy Spirit matter? Because the Holy Spirit lives in you to empower you to boldly be his witness. That's our job right now. And I know we got other stuff going on. I know we got stuff you got to buy on Amazon for Christmas and decorations you got to get up. And man, we're all fighting through sickness and just believing that man we can survive. And man, hopefully kids can go back to school tomorrow. And I I get it. Trust me, I get it. My my daughter's got the flu right now. Uh, We we are right there in the midst of all that with you. I don't have it, by the way, so you don't have to (laughs) freak out. Yeah, I I took a COVID test yesterday, too, just to be in the clear. So, y'all are safe. Um, But I get it. But the enemy wants to use all that stuff to keep my nose shut. If I'm real honest, I was this close to calling Dwindle this week. You're saying, hey, you taking this Sunday? I'm tapping out. I'm staying at home. Nobody feels good. We got all this stuff going around. But I had to share this message with you. And I hope this message deposits in you with an urgency that I got to share this message with somebody. I got to share Jesus with somebody. I got to point somebody to Jesus. I can't stay silent. I don't care if it means they don't like me. I don't care if it means they write me off. I don't mean to care if it means that they, they call me a bigot or they label me some other awful thing which isn't true. I'm not going to let my fear of what they think of me keep me from sharing the most important news that ever happened with them. not gonna let that happen. Jesus never said we've got forever to tell people. So this day, this month, this Christmas season, let's share the message of Christmas. God wants to be with you. He wants to be with you so bad. He sent his son Jesus to die for you. What a story. What a message. What an incredible truth. Would you pray with me?